Before I begin this episode, I wanted to start off with a disclaimer. This episode contains content that may be disturbing, and it may not be suitable for all listeners, especially children. Liaoyang, spelled L-I-U-N-I-A-N-G, is an 105-year-old elderly lady that lives in a remote farming village in China. She has lived in this village pretty much her entire life, and she has a loving family, with seven children and many more grandchildren, whom she cares deeply for. They all care about her too, and being a loving family, they look after her, attending to all of her needs, including helping her shower every day, which ensures that Liu Niang is always clean and fresh. But when it's time to clean her feet, she recoils, pulls back, and shies away from them, not letting them touch her feet. Her feet is the only part of her body where she refuses anyone in her family to clean, touch, or even see. That is because Liu Niang is hiding a secret, a painful secret. This secret is why Liu Niang has lived in this village her entire life and has stopped her from exploring the world. It has also stopped her from buying the shoes that she wants, simply because they won't fit her, and as a result, she is forced to make her own shoes. This is a deep, deep secret that only her husband knows. The secret is that Liu Niang's feet is small and pointy, and tightly bandaged. Today, I'm going to talk about the infamous Chinese tradition of foot binding, which some of you may already know, and hopefully haven't experienced yourselves. Writing this script for this episode was hard for me because I was so disturbed and disgusted by the content during my research that it took me a while to get my head around it. G'day everyone, I'm your host Stephen, and welcome to another episode in the Bamboo History Podcast. For those of you who are new, I'm a Chinese Australian guy who got hooked onto Chinese history from a young age and decided that during COVID lockdown to start making podcasts about it. My focus will be on Chinese history, but I am hoping to expand my topics into the history of neighboring East Asian countries as well. Hopefully, through my podcasts, everyone can learn something new and find some entertainment out of it too. As I am starting off in my podcast journey, it'd be great if you could subscribe to my channel to support my content. I've also got an Instagram page too, at Bamboo History Podcast. That will have additional bite-sized content too small to fit into a podcast. So head on to my Instagram and give me a follow there too. Thanks, mateys. To my existing listeners, my fellow bamboo historians, thanks again for your continuing support and for following me on this journey. It really means a lot to me. So yeah, enough yarning. Let's just get straight into it. Foot binding is perhaps one of the most messed up things that the ancient Chinese came up with, in my honest opinion. Foot binding, or in Chinese, chan zu, is essentially binding a girl's feet at a young age to stop them from growing, so they retain a petite, pointy shape that apparently is aesthetically and sexually appealing to look at for men. When a girl is around five years old, they would be forced to wear small. 
tight-fitting shoes in order to compress their feet. Stardom young, as they say, because it was essential to start the foot-binding process before the arch of their feet fully developed. Every night, the foot would be soaked in warm water in order to soften the foot. Then the foot would be massaged vigorously with a herbal mixture. The toenails would usually be cut to reduce infection. Then the four toes would be flexed, then folded and pressed over onto the sole of the foot. The toes were squeezed so hard into the sole that the toes would inevitably break. And this, I could imagine, would have been freaking painful. The arch of the foot was also broken by force as well. Then the entire foot would be bandaged tightly to form the shape of the bound foot and to further restrict any growth of the foot. Then every one to three days, the bandage would be removed to air out the foot, washed again and rubbed with the herbal mixture again, before pressing the toes over and being bandaged. And it, it, and it was basically just repeat and repeat and repeat this process. Every time their feet were rebound with the bandage, it was bound tighter and tighter as well each time. During this process, it was easy for their feet to get infected, usually starting from their broken toes, and there were instances of girls dying from septic shock and gangrene. Girls would have to walk every day as well to promote circulation in their feet, and that was a painful experience. Because their toes were pressed and folded onto the soles of their feet, that meant it was their toes taking the impact of the ground instead of their feet soles, and remember their toes were broken. So yeah, I, I, I honestly can't imagine. Adding to that, they were forced to walk in tight shoes as well, which meant having no room for your feet to move and therefore pushing up against the shoe every time you walked. I'm not sure if this is similar, but it's like if you've ever gone skiing or ice skating and you're forced to wear those tight shoes. And so every step you take in those shoes, it's just painful for your feet. And it's so red every time you take your feet out of those shoes. So I cannot imagine how painful it was for a little girl around five years old to have to go through all of that and with their feet broken as well. Ah, jeez. Because of all the walking they had to do during the day, during the night, they were so done with everything that they would just lie in bed the whole night, dangling their legs over the bed to try and reduce pressure on the feet and to numb the pain. The entire process took around two to three years and bound feet would be around nine to 10 centimeters. To give you a bit of perspective, a normal fully grown foot for a female is 24 centimeters. That's basically a restriction of half the size. Honestly, everyone, this is, this is messed up. I, I, I just can't even, you know. <sighs> You're all probably wondering then, who in their right mind came up with this disgusting procedure? There are many origin stories of foot binding, but the consensus is that it became commonly practiced during the Song Dynasty, which was a period of China during the 10th century to the 13th century. I'll talk about two of the origin stories that seem to be the most popular. The first story is set in the state of Southern Qi, which was a dynasty that existed during the Northern and Southern Dynasties period in the 5th century. The Southern Qi Emperor at the time Xiao Bao Juan, spelt X-I-A-O-B-A-O-J-U-A-N, had a concubine at the time, which I believe the modern 21st century equivalent is called a, quotation, side bay. 
The concubine's name was Pan Yunu, spelled P-A-N-Y-U-N-U. And she was described as a very beautiful woman, which, you know, is fair enough for an emperor's wife, who I am sure only selected the beautiful ones. Pan Yunu was, however, more famed for a feat, which was small and delicate, which meant every time she walked, it was as if lotus springs from her every step. There's no evidence, though, that Pan Yunu had her feet bound, but it is speculated that this was when they first started to describe women with bound feet as having lotus feet. If you don't know what a lotus is, it's a really good-looking flower. The second story is a more legit version of the origins of foot binding, and this story occurred 500 years after the first story of Pan Yunu. And this story occurred during the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms period of China. And as the name suggests, during that period, China wasn't unified and it was split up into multiple countries. One of these countries was called the Southern Tang. The emperor of Southern Tang at the time was called Li Yu, spelt L-I-Y-U. And he had a concubine named Yao Niang, spelt Y-A-O-N-I-A-N-G. Yao Niang was rumoured to have been of half Han Chinese and half Turkic or Central Asian descent. And as a girl, Yao Niang grew up in poverty. As China back then was male-dominated, the only way for her to change her life was to find herself a good man to be with. And obviously the best man at the time was the emperor himself. Luckily for Yao Niang, she had a talent for dancing, and when she was 16, she was selected into the palace as a dancer. When Emperor Li Yu saw her, he was immediately attracted to her appearance, most likely because of her mixed Chinese and Central Asian features that would have set her apart from other Chinese women. And so Li Yu took her in as a concubine. For Yao Niang, it was a dream come true for her. Being one of the emperor's wives meant that she could live a large life and not have to face poverty anymore. To her, the emperor became a one true love, and she would do anything to win his affection. That meant utilizing her dancing talent to entertain him. So every time the emperor watched her dance, he was like, Wow, wow, she's so good looking, bruh. One day, the emperor decided to erect a six foot tall golden lotus and asked Yao Niang to dance on the lotus. Yao Niang practiced for ages just to get up to that six-foot stem onto the lotus, before realizing that there was barely enough room on that small golden lotus to dance properly. Realizing this was the best opportunity to gain further favor of the emperor, and for her one true love, you know, even though for the emperor she was one of many, she decided to bind her feet into a crescent moon shape in order to dance on that lotus. And it was said that she danced so gracefully with this golden lotus dance that the emperor was like, wow, wow. Was so attracted to her and this dance that he loved her even more after that. So yeah, that's the story. And anyhow, there isn't any clear evidence that this story of Yao Niang also led to the practice of foot binding. But in the next couple of hundred years, it seemed as if women in upper class families began to bind their feet. During the later Yuan and Ming dynasties, foot binding reached the height of its practice, and it also became widespread amongst the commoners as well. 
Foot binding was primarily done by the Han Chinese. So when the Manchu people conquered China and founded the Qing dynasty in the 17th century, they were disgusted by this practice and tried several times to ban it, but to no success. So why was foot binding so popular? As 21st century earthlings, we find it so messed up, and yet it was so popular for over 800 years in China. Firstly, Chinese men back then found smaller feet attractive. Don't ask me why. And foot binding originated from this twisted foot fetish that men had back in the day. It seems that women having small feet had a central grace in the way they walked. In other words, stumbling around like a penguin. But hey, I don't share the same messed up fantasies as these guys. And apparently small feet, combined with the way they walked, and I'm going to quote from Howard Levy's book, Chinese Foot Binding, The History of Curious Erotic Custom, that small feet, combined with the way they walked, created a quote, feminine mystique that was practiced by women to please men. There was a common Chinese saying as well during that time that a woman's small feet was comparable to three inches of golden lotus. So yeah, it obviously turned men on that women had small feet. And I honestly cannot understand why. And I'm also hoping that all our listeners out there find this very strange and, you know, messed up as well. Secondly, and thanks to China being a male-dominated society, male support and desire for the smaller foot also led women to actively practice foot binding. This is similar to Yao Nyang's story earlier, where she bound her feet just to please her one true love, Li Yu. Foot binding became a sort of status symbol for women. If your feet were bound, you were seen as higher class and more attractive to the male eyes. This was hugely beneficial for women, because that meant they would be more likely to attract higher class and wealthier men that they could marry, giving them a chance to live a better life. Remember, women had minimal opportunities of making it by themselves in life without a man back then in Chinese society. An interesting side note was that the foot-binding practice reinforced mother-daughter relationships, as the mother would mainly be the one binding the daughter's feet, so their time together was like a ritual. This was theorised as the reason why some women actually actively opposed banning the foot-binding practice in the 20th century. I reckon, however, if any feminists are listening to this episode, they'll have a field day. The foot-binding practice started to lose popularity during the late 1800s, when Western ideas began filtering into China, and many Chinese scholars began seeing the messed-up nature of foot-binding. Liang Qichao, spelt L-I-A-N-G-Q-I-C-H-A-O, a famous Chinese intellectual during that time, said that foot-binding was representative of the Chinese female being, quote, parasites, beasts, and slaves of the male. When the Qing dynasty fell in 1912, and the Republic of China was established, President Sun Yat-sen was like, that's it, no more foot binding, and abolished the practice nationwide. There were still many people that opposed it, and it was still practiced here and there until around 1949. The abolishment of foot binding is also seen as a pivotal moment for the emancipation of women in China. From our point of view, foot binding was a real effed up thing to do, And it's one of the things Chinese people did back in the day that wasn't so good. But it highlights China's male-dominant society for much of its history and the submissive role of women. The important takeaway from this episode is for us all to be appreciative of our body and not to abuse or take any of our body parts for granted, 
as any alteration, for example, to one of our limbs could be disastrous and bring great inconvenience to our lives. Overall, this topic might have been a bit depressing for listeners, so I thought I would conclude this story on a personal and positive note. My great-grandma was born during the late Qing dynasty, and when she was a little girl, she initially had been subject to foot binding as well. But her dad realised that it was causing her a lot of pain, and every day would remove the bandages on her feet behind her mum's back whenever they were bound. By doing so, it stopped the foot binding process on my great-grandma. When she grew up and understood what she had avoided, it was something she was grateful to her dad to for the rest of her life. So, on that note, my fellow Bamboo Historians, that brings an end to another episode of the Bamboo History Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please feel free to comment on my podcast, and for all our new listeners, please subscribe for more exciting content. I also encourage everyone to hop onto my Instagram at Bamboo History Podcast as well. My details are all in the description box below. Alright ladies and gents, Next time when you're walking around or running, be thankful that you have a normal sized foot and that you can do whatever you want and go wherever you want because the poor women who had their feet bound couldn't do any of that. So enjoy your lives, have a lovely rest of the day or evening and I look forward to catching all of you next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.